you've never oh that was like so big like that was like one of the most popular uh like myspace videos like that went viral for a long time like it, robot oh, no. chicken came up with this skit with um you know their claymation and stuff and mm-hmm. they have this little gummy bear like coming over the crest of a hill and it's blue skies green grass and she's like singing a song she's a little pink gummy bear and then she steps on a bear trap <gasps> it's like terrifying oh, no. it's terrifying it's no. but yeah i i may have just spoiled like a lot of people's childhoods just now. <laughs> <laughs> oh I'm so my sorry. And well, we won't talk about that. I, 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 it's okay. I feel like the fact that you included it in MySpace okay. dates yeah, the reference does. so much. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's probably our generation and above. Like, you, I only you, just you, knew about MySpace. You, you made you made a MySpace reference in I, 2021. Ugh, yeah. <laughs> I made a ro- I made a robot chicken reference for the record because and that one I think is older than uh, really? I, mm-hmm. I'm pretty pretty I think positive early 90s Trying, yeah yeah robot chicken's been around for a very long time now now does MySpace come between AOL as Messenger and Facebook is that like that kind of time frame where I hear nothing of it, it is in existence at all. I think it was kind of like, it's my understanding it was the first sort of social, like it was the prototype for Facebook and everything like that. Although I feel like there were probably things before MySpace. There, I don't know what they there are. There were, but they weren't near as big. I think what? there was like Friendster was the was like the first one. It was Friendster, then MySpace, then Facebook. And oh my word. What came yeah. first? The, the robot yeah. chicken or the egg? thought MySpace was older than that because I remember graduating high school in 2004 and for some reason I thought MySpace was already like kind of a joke like people joked about MySpace and well although I I wasn't that technologically aware I didn't have a Facebook account until like my second year of college even though it had been going for a while well to be fair even when MySpace was really big the big joke on it was half the uh half the people on MySpace were uh porn companies <laughs> oh no we almost killed nathan over here he's just like <laughs> during the era of myspace i think i was like five i think i was like six when facebook became a thing or something i remember oh my, my mom God. posting pictures from disney on no, facebook the first no, time i went and i was like five no, then. no myspace Thanks. yeah myspace you would routinely get invites from these girls who literally were wearing nothing and oh my and, and, and you and all they had on their pages were links to porn sites, and it was that was that was what uh that's that was the big joke on MySpace. MySpace had no filter. That's a, <laughs> oh my that is true. Yeah, it it literally didn't do anything to like, but that was it, in like the Stone Age of the internet. Like basically, oh I, I yeah no 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 yeah this was back when, you know, censorship on the internet was like no one was even thinking it was a big deal. You could. Literally, there was no censorship. Yeah, you it was like the whatever. Wild West. You could like shoot somebody yeah. and nobody would say anything. Yeah, I mean, mm. and, and, and broad and, internet daylight, broad yeah, internet porn daylight. It, it, it really wasn't until <laughs> fa- <laughs> no. it, it, it really wasn't until Facebook came around that people oh, started paying attention to what people posted. Facebook was the one that really ushered in that age of oh, 
now we actually need to pay attention to what people are posting because people are posting some weird stuff. Mm-hmm. Just makes me think of the Avenue Q. The internet is for porn. The exactly. internet is for porn. That's Why you think the net was porn, 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 porn. Hello and welcome to Huzzah, where we teach players how to play tabletop role-playing games and entertain veteran players. We're so glad you're here, and we hope you enjoy the show. So I guess we can go ahead and start talking about uh, NPCs and our topic for today's episode. Which happens to be NPCs and their creation. (laughs) Who is my creator? Uh, are you my maker? Are you my mommy? <laughs> are you my mommy? Oh my word! <laughs> I'm sitting here I thinking that we don't want to give our NPCs, you know, existential crises. Just like, Christ. who is my creator? <laughs> who is my creator? Christies. What is my purpose? You make toast. <laughs> toast. You make. You, <laughs> that, that was that was funny. <laughs> you put butter good. on my toast. That that's that is your purpose. <laughs> That was pretty great. That's from uh, um, Rick and Morty. Well, oh well, I didn't, I didn't recognize it as from Rick and Morty. I recognized it as you and Nathan's interaction to our our session zero game when we were like, you know, knocking the corners <laughs> off of this whole. Sh- Equally shebang. awesome. By the way, I was like, like I, uh, I so wanted to like grab Nathan, who was um like a a, a, a an and what was it a, a droid, a droid, yes. and I wanted to like push a button on his back and make him chop like Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> that would have been great. But I didn't want to steal uh, his autonomy. <laughs> that would have been great. I was just not built for any type of melee. Like, I was just a I was a C three PO, but with a surgery arm. Yep. <laughs> I feel like you could do damage with the surgery arm, though. Like, that, it looked real pointy. That is a good point. He just couldn't hit anything to save his life, so it didn't really matter. <laughs> you look like you need some dental work. <laughs> Just what the doctor ordered. (laughs) You now have no teeth. Congratulations. So, NPCs. Yes. (laughs) Um, Yeah, who wants to start? I I would suggest Joseph, because you did have some very colorful NPCs. Yeah, you did, Joseph. In in Dawn and Dust. Dawn and Dust had Mm -hmm. some, like, really unique and colorful ones that were fun to interact with and fun to kind of explore. Yeah. Okay. So before I um, talk about the NPCs from that, uh, I I want to ask you a question first. Sure. Mm. So, what is your philosophy when you're designing an NPC? Is it uh, do do you want the NPC strictly to push the story forward? Do you want the characters to, uh, you know, I guess enjoy role-playing with something that might not necessarily be contingent to the story. Um, What is your, where do you, what's your school of thought? Where do you come from when you design an NPC? I guess I can start. I guess I can start. Uh, It depends on the NPC, really. Uh, A lot of the NPCs that I design to, for the players to interact with are going to tie to the players in some form or fashion, but also help move the story forward. Mm -hmm. But, uh, like I love pulling from characters' backstories to create NPCs that are gonna come, you know, have hopefully carry some emotional weight for that in for that player. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I think one of my favorites is when uh, we were, I was playing with a group of friends and we were playing in Warhammer Fantasy and one of the characters had this really cool backstory where he was this noble trying to prove himself, but he had left his old life to, to make it on his own as an adventurer. So I was able to pull a lot from that background and, and have kind of some antagonist from his past come back up and really agitate the group and him because then he had this existential crisis going on. Like a Nego Montoya. Yeah. Well, it wasn't even that. It was just like fellow soldiers that kind of joked around with him, you know, or oh. made fun of him and stuff. And he really didn't get along with them well. And he knew that they were bad guys anyway. And, mm-hmm. and it was really one of these real fun little scenarios where he's like, yeah, I'm going to use my position to get in with them and, and try and figure out what's going on. And it was a way for me to use his backstory to help advance the plot of the overall story at the same time, which was uh, at the same time, players help me create NPCs all the time or through their interactions. They may decide, you know what, we're going to go. I want to find a blacksmith. OK, cool. Let's let's go create a blacksmith because I don't have one on paper mm-hmm. for you. Let's, let's let's design one on the fly and help me figure out what the what you want out of this blacksmith. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What about uh, you, uh, Jocelyn? Uh, I have had NPCs that do all of those things. Now that I come to think about it, kind of ironically, the smaller percentage of them are strictly to drive the story forward. So. There are definitely NPCs that I've made like, you really need to talk to this bartender because this bartender has talked to the bad guys, capital B, capital G, mm-hmm. and I really need you to get that information. Uh, but a lot of times I make NPCs that I think the characters will have fun interacting with, but the NPC has nothing to do with the broader story arc. They're there to add flavor. Like, for example, uh, one that's been a favorite of my groups recently is, uh, I think I mentioned this guy in the last one. I'm sorry, but I'm going to do it again because I think he's funny. Uh, Magic Leaf, uh, Madge of Magic Leaf's Magic Eats, mm-hmm. the the guy who's high. Oh, yeah. Because he's just like, yeah, man, uh, I have, like, the best traveler stew, like, like ever. Like, I mean, it's so good. And the brownies are especially nice today. Like, so he doesn't have anything to do with their, their broader story arc and their drive to like find the bad guys and whatever. He's just kind of a little stopping off point. And then I have had quite a few NPCs, like Jeff was saying that have either been suggested by the characters, like in passing, they said something about, Oh, it would be fun to run into uh, this, or we need a blacksmith or whatever. And a lot of times they're also tied into the characters backstories. Mm -hmm. So like I've had, two or three fairly substantial NPCs I've created that were specifically because uh, they were in this character's backstory and these characters were going to interact with them. And they were substantial enough that now they just kind of populate tear in the world. Like they're just still there. So mm-hmm. they, they now are, are kind of permanent and they were a creation specifically for like one or two characters. And Nathan, what about you? NPCs are a very kind of fun thing to design. I like to, if they're going to be, pseudo important to the story i like to give them like a little of character of their own like i'll kind of draft up their own kind of sort of character sheet just to make them have their own flaws and stuff uh Mm -hmm. but generally you know it's also kind of a read on the party maybe you do want more characters that are just you know we need to get to the point here 
or maybe you want more characters that can talk and just have some personality to them. Uh, I like to give my characters more personality just because uh, I, I saw this one meme one time and it said, uh, you know, not every bartender has information and not every chest is a mimic. So you just, mm-hmm. you don't want to give that, oh, basic slate of here is bartender A and here's bartender B. And they're like the officer Jennies and nurse, uh, the nurses, I don't know, the Pokemon. They're not like mm-hmm. that. You know, they have their own kind of right function in the realm. And it helps kind of put the players in the aspect of, oh, these are like actually people. These are not just, I'm going to go talk to hear some NC, in, NPC dialogue. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I really like to add that because some of my favorite interactions with NPCs have been with uh, just these random offshoot NPCs like that have no pertinence to the story whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But mm. uh, they just have this magical sense to them. And you're just like, Je ne sais quoi, I, exactly. if you will. <laughs> and I, you're just like, I love them. Can they join our party? I want them to adventure with <laughs> us. <laughs> and then they end up going away and you're like, oh, well, I'll never see them again. So sad. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> right. But I, I want those the characters to at least be memorable. Like, hey, remember when we talked to that one bartender, that one Argonian bartender? Or, hey, remember we talked about that uh, the, the, the tiefling blacksmith? You know, mm-hmm. stuff that you don't normally see and it's just a, a cool, memorable character. That's, mm-hmm. that's kind of what I try to go for whenever I'm designing one. Mm-hmm. I, I actually resonate uh, with... Or when you said memorable that resonated with me because I think that is my philosophy when uh, coming up with an NPC. Um, you know, I don't want a, I don't want a player to interact with something that they're not going to have uh, a memorable experience with because then anything that they tell them, they're not going to remember. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think partly uh, why Dawn and Dusk had quite as many like weird characters as it did is because I wanted them to remember a lot of the details of what was going on in the, in the story that maybe they didn't realize at the time. Mm. Um, so yeah, to, I guess to like really jump into this NPC discussion, um, I, you know, it, it, I think intention has a lot to do with it. Um, more so than maybe the world building element. Um, mm-hmm. you know, your characters are going to interact with NPCs more than necessarily the mechanics of a world or, you know, they're all, or they may only visit one part of the world one time and then they're going to move on mm-hmm. like episode to episode, I guess. But right with, uh, I think with an NPC, the main, main takeaway, uh, for a, maybe a new GM is get invested mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and create at least uh, one or two key NPCs. For instance, um, Kaze in my campaign was the the uh, leader of this guild, who inherently um, will be the the like cornerstone of the of the plot. Um, mm-hmm. But they constantly go back and learn more about him throughout the campaign, which inevitably tells the greater story. And then, of course, there's another character, and well, I guess technically two, but um, two more. But there's another character who I will not reveal, strictly because uh, y'all have started playing in it, and I'm going to end up running this campaign again in the future. But there's another character 
who uh, they they interact with seldomly, and there is a sh- sort of this shroud of mystery about the character that everybody seems to like really want to sink their teeth into learning more about. And mm-hmm. and then pretty sure I know who this is. I think you pretty do. Pretty sure I do. I, I have pretty sure too. I do. <laughs> Pretty um, sure we all know who it is. Yikes. Okay, I gotta <laughs> prepare myself when you play again. Um, but I think because I got invested in those characters, other people, the players got invested in those characters too. I think that translates mm-hmm. very very well. Right. Um, yeah. So, let me ask you this. What is, um, what is your tip for a new GM coming up with NPCs? Have that NPC generator at the ready. <laughs> no, like, oh, I was just saying. Well, uh, um, I mean, I feel like NPC uh, generation or when constructing an NPC kind of falls into two categories. There's the NPCs that you are pretty sure they're going to run into. You're pretty sure they're going to talk to. You have time to sit down and think about it. Oh, well, I want this NPC to look like this and act like this. And and like you said, just like you get invested in it and the they have these quirks and this is the information that they have available etc so you have time to get all that like written down or, or however you keep track of this information and then there's npcs that happen because the care the piece your players want to go talk to somebody that you had not anticipated like we want to talk to that five-year-old playing in the middle of the village green and you're like uh sure and so yeah. uh, there are name generators, which I find very helpful, especially on the fly. Sometimes they still catch you off guard. And you're like, oh, what's this guy's name? And you're like, Bob. I don't know. Like, <laughs> his name's Bob. Just deal with it. Uh, but there are actual generators for mm-hmm. NPCs that I find help spark ideas. Very rarely do I like the entirety of what the generator comes up with. But it might say something like a male frost dwarf. Uh, 105 years old, silver hair, smokes a pipe, something. Mm-hmm. And and maybe something in that catches my eye. I'm like, oh, yes, you guys are going to go talk to this younger frost dwarf who smokes voraciously and whatever. I, I'm sorry, I'm not, I'm not doing very well. I'm trying to come up with something on the fly. but Yeah, yeah no, no, no. Uh, I, 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 it definitely comes across like we get it. Yeah. Mm-hmm creating NPCs on the fly can sometimes really be a, a challenge. Uh, but when you uh, when you have to make an NPC, I think it kind of goes off of what Jocelyn said. You know, if it's a planned NPC, if this is planned, kind of make it something you'd enjoy mm-hmm. uh, playing. Mm-hmm. Make him something, or make him or her just stand out. Uh, but also something that you could honestly see yourself kind of going along with and mm-hmm. following this character. Uh, but when it comes to just, uh, you know, the five-year-old girl playing ball in the middle of the green, uh, get, just be prepared to kind of give a flat sort of personality trait. Uh, I guess the best example yeah. I have is that uh, some enemies I have in one of my campaigns are scared. Uh, when they fight the party, they don't want to die. So yep. mm-hmm. they will fight, and if they get hit, they may just start running away. They may mm-hmm. find that NPC later and be talking to him, you know, like, you know, I'm, I'm done now, or, hey, it's you guys, it's time for round two, I'm ready now, but they're just scared. And it's just like a little flat, it's it's a small, flat personality trait that adds so much to the encounters or the uh, the different things in the world. Mm-hmm. I think the, just 
a little sprinkle here and there can add to uh, the campaign as well. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But as far as characters that you are planning out, make sure you know their motivation. Even if it's a shopkeeper, make sure they have a motivation, you know? Maybe they're trying to push certain things over other things because the adventurers look like easy marks. Um, but, you know, I think that the tip is, you know, they want something and you need to figure out how they're going to try and acquire it, whatever that is. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the name of the game is role-playing and being able to see from their uh, point of view mm-hmm. is, you know, just as important as playing a character in, in the campaign. Yeah, that's why it resonated with me when they when uh, I think Nathan said maybe it's something that you're interested in as mm-hmm. well, because you're gonna have to role play this character, whether you whether you want to or not. You have to role play it. So why not make it something that you're gonna be comfortable with role playing? And I'm not saying you have to do a voice. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a big proponent of voices are optional. Right. But at the same time, you can still get that personality and the tone across without doing a voice. Mm-hmm. Now, what about interacting with NPCs as the player? Let's t- jump into that for a minute, because uh, our last episode, we talked about world building, from, uh, mostly from the GM perspective, and we've talked about mm-hmm. NPCs from the GM perspective. Uh, what about interacting with uh, with NPCs as a player? Um, things to remember or, um, you know, just general etiquette, maybe, uh, in terms of, like, you know, don't, don't be that guy that just like immediately wants to cut the guy's head off. <laughs> I'd say the main thing is uh, something that I actually had to overcome at first because when I started playing D&D, I didn't have a lot of NPC interactions. So when I started having NPC interactions, I immediately thought, oh, okay, this guy's important. Hold on. Let me ask him a pertinent question to the mission we're on. And they'd mm-hmm. be like, I, I don't know what you're talking about, man. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, cool. Well, I tried. Uh, just when you're talking to an NPC, don't off the bat think they're important, but also just kind of have a nice conversation with the DM. Mm-hmm. I, I love As that. a character. <laughs> it's like, wait, well, he just said hi to us. That must be important. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Exactly. That well, was I always, uh, uh, I said, you want to stay in character as much as you can. Um, so maybe your your particular character has a prejudice. Like, you know, he doesn't like certain races. Maybe he gets more aggressive with certain races other than others. Uh, or you're, you're playing in Curse of Strahd and everything up to this point has tried to kill you. So you're automatically mm-hmm. on the defense no matter who you're talking to. Mm-hmm. You know, you're because you're characters developed a paranoia trait and i think that's how you you just gotta think about okay how's my character going to interact with the world or just certain characters yeah that's a very good point yeah just make sure to stay in character that's it's nice to stay in character yeah oh well i mean once again you don't have to be do the voices or anything but think about it from your character's perspective you know what have they seen so far maybe it's session one but even Last time, uh, you know, look back to our, our session in episode one where you had uh, Nathan's character who is an ex-Imperial. As soon as he realized these NPCs that Joseph was interacting with were security forces, he decided uh, maybe I should send somebody else over there to retrieve him because it's, mm-hmm. it's uh, 
not the best idea for my character to interact with. That was a great way to interact with NPCs where, you know, his character came through. He still interacted with them in a certain way, uh, whereas Joseph was just getting wasted. And it was, <laughs> it was you know... Every... Not that it took very much, for the record. Yeah, well, you, it's not like you had anything on your stomach. That's yeah, very you just true. Just puked your guts out. Exactly. I yeah. But I think that was that was a great way you guys got to interact with. I think three different groups of NPCs, and you all did. That was a good way for players to interact with NPCs because based on the groups, your group behaved differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, at the end of the day, NPCs are a storytelling tool, um, mm-hmm. and you can make them as, uh, you know key to the campaign as you want it sounds like um Mm -hmm. you know and and or from the player perspective they can be key to the story but right that doesn't mean they're always going to be for for all we know this intelligence uh uh bureau is not you know an important part to the story unless jeff makes a smirk then that must mean they are (laughs) Uh oh is he smirking hang on is he? Let's, is, let's all sit I'm, here and look he, at Jeff. I'm just, second. I'm just in a happy mood. I'm happy to be uh-huh. here. <laughs> for all, uh-huh. for all I know, there isn't a bounty on Toady's head. <laughs> for all we right. know. Uh, yeah, right. And that's information uh, that I'm going to try and find out. <laughs> uh, the only thing that I can think of that hasn't really been covered yet is, excuse me, you have the freedom to interact with NPCs however you want which can be great on the one hand. So it's not just like a video game where you have like your five preset choices or whatever. You can talk to them about anything. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, if you're going to be a jerk, like you were saying, Joseph, if you're going to be that guy to an NPC, I would, I, I mean, maybe that's within your character or whatever, but keep in mind that however you interact with maybe not just that NPC, but all the NPCs as you're going along, it, it could come back to bite you. So, like, if you go into this town and you rampage and, you know, paint the town red, you wreck the bar, whatever, when you wake up the next morning, maybe the police are there to arrest you and stick you in jail. Like, right, because... So there are consequences. Yeah, the NPCs yeah. share an, uh, share a hive mind, and it's the GM it's at true. the end of the day. <laughs> right. Then we get into the creator paradox again. <laughs> I, yeah, it's one of those things. Depending on how... And I always try and react to my players. If they make an NPC important to them, it may not have been important to my story at the beginning. But if they show a lot of interest in a thread, no matter how minor it is in my book, I'm going to make notes of that and say, okay, this has now got to become a big part of the story because the players latched Mm -hmm. on to this. Right. Uh, I I always look at my turn in the world campaign when I started the, the opening sequence, they started as prisoners of this cult. It was supposed to be a throwaway. It's mm-hmm. just supposed to introduce them to the world. They were never supposed to see the cult again. Well, my group latched onto that and wanted to investigate everything they could about this cult. And I said, you know what? This cult just became a major player in my story because they're very interested in it. And mm-hmm. I like the fact that they're interested. So I'm going to make this cult a big deal. It wasn't supposed to be, but they made it a big deal. And I was like, if they're happy, excited, investigating it, let's give, let's reward them for it. Yeah, that's it fantastic. The story. And I think that brings up a very good point of if you have something planned, uh, if you have a group or an NPC plan that's like, okay, this group has to meet this person. And they're just like, meh, 
I don't want to really. And they go mm. to someone else. Meh. Don't worry. That is not your problem. And players, if you have an NPC that you don't like, oh, cool. The DM did a good job in designing that NPC because maybe they weren't supposed to be like that. Maybe they were supposed to be unlikable. Or the the GM can adapt and make it another mm-hmm. NPC. Uh, there's a lot of uh, quick adaptations that have to occur sometimes. But mm-hmm. I think that's what helps drive the story forward is, again, the players' reactions to a lot of the situations just really help us as GMs to mm-hmm. fully kind of immerse this world for them. Yeah, absolutely. The I know in Dawn and Dusk, one of my um, missions was to create an extremely diverse range of sort of original NPCs. Uh, Mission accomplished. Which is kind of like what Jeff was saying in the last episode where, you know, he was like, it's kind of like Lewis Carroll. And I, I really wanted to do something that I would enjoy as much as the players would enjoy. Um, and that involved, like, you know, them fighting a goldfish with boxing gloves and, like, <laughs> you know, crazy, like, going into the underworld and fighting in a coliseum and uh, <laughs> running into... Um, Things like deceased, uh, a bartender who was entirely made of fire, and d- that was so cool. Just like crazy, crazy things, and I feel like when you do that, when you um, think outside the box and try to come up with something that's imaginatively uh, engaging, you know, mm-hmm. like the character, it make the make the characters, make the players want to interact with it. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that's um, a pretty fun strategy, but I'm also a new GM, so my experience is different than y'all's. J- Jeff and Jocelyn, y'all been GM for a long time, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah. So uh, NPCs, I feel like, is um, just one of those. It, it's an integral part of the the tabletop experience, tabletop game experience. Mm-hmm. Um. Now, how would you say D&D uh, NPCs and, like, say, Star Wars, Edge of the Empires NPCs are different? Like, is there, would you, could you point to um, maybe a key difference between how you develop those NPCs? Yeah, so I, I can. Um, so it looks, I go to D&D NPCs, the GM has, really, it's kind of like a blank slate. You can make them you can make them however you want and you can fill out as much or as little of the stat blocks as you want to mm-hmm. because some NPCs you know are they're ne- they should never ever be in combat and if they are they're gonna die quickly mm-hmm. you know Star yeah. Wars we have like tiers of different style of NPCs you have your minions think your stormtroopers droids things of that nature once again if they're if in one-on-one combat they're probably going to die but they're designed to be running groups and if if you guys ever get into combat we'll introduce that to you guys whereas you have then you have the next tier is rivals so that's like a player character he's going to have a fuller a bigger stat block he's going to have some skills and then you have the nemesis that's your big bad of the campaigns or your or your guys who the players should take extra caution when engaging. This is somebody who has some power and authority. 
So I like the fact that we have the tiers so you can, it helps you when you're designing an NPC. Is this a minion, a rival, or a nemesis? So I know what, how much I need to fill out. Do I need to create, is it going to be a nameless mob like stormtroopers? Mm -hmm. Unless they're very, very significant to Toadie's backstory, they're probably not going to have names. Gotcha. (laughs) Yeah. Whereas, you know, that ISB guy probably does have a name. He you guys just didn't learn it. And then, you know, so he probably is more along the line of a rival. Mm. And then, of course, you have, you know, you have your Darth Vader's and stuff. Those are definitely nemesis. You know, you, you see them, you probably should turn the other way and run away. Wow. Run! Okay. I actually so, didn't know what you were going to say to that question. I'm actually really uh, impressed that there actually is. A, a key difference. Mm. <laughs> there really is cool. a, there, there, there's mechanical differences in the two systems, which I I can applaud because D and D is I always say it's a very much of a gateway game mm. in the fact that it's very open. You can do a lot with it without having to read a lot. Whereas other systems, they have rules in place to help guide you, mm-hmm. and and it's it's just a difference of the way things are handled. That's awesome. Well, do you guys have any closing thoughts? I feel like uh, we've really hit NPCs hard. Um, Not literally, mostly verbally, figuratively, metaphorically, whatever. Only the bad guy enemies are the ones we hit Uh hard. Uh, I was going to say, I know know for a fact my paladin hit NPCs really hard. (laughs) (laughs) I know, I know. We have delved deep. No, Toadie can shoot a minion or NPC pretty hard. (laughs) (laughs) Give him the full miter to pew pew lasers. Uh, I I say if you're going to plan some NPCs out ahead of time that you you want, make sure there's something that you're excited about. Because as you said, Joseph, if you're excited about it, your players are probably going to be excited about it too because they'll hear it in your voice the Mm -hmm. way you present them. And then... I usually have a name generator, if nothing else, open in one screen because inevitably, no matter how many NPCs I plan out, the players are going to ask for another one that I don't have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, my closing thought would be if the if you can tell that the game master's um, excited about playing that character, like being the voice and you know role playing, uh, that's a good sign, and that you're I think mm-hmm. you're in for a treat. My closing thought would be. Uh, don't be afraid to come up with something on the fly. You you honestly don't have to have uh, a name for... Uh, let me back up a little. So, like Jeff was saying, you know, you have name generators and stuff. Oh, Nick, cut this out. I'm just having a brain fart. Mm. Try that yeah, again. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> so, my closing thought would be have fun with those NPCs that your characters asked for randomly that you weren't expecting. You have not come up with anything at all for this NPC. So just come up with something on the fly, like play around with it, have fun, Uh, sort of a fusion of all the things, like make sure you're having fun with it. And you don't have to have like this huge elaborate backstory, like even for your main NPCs, Mm -hmm. it's okay for them to be a little surface level. And, And then depending on how your party reacts to them if they show a whole lot of interest that's something to make a note of and be like oh gosh well i need to in between sessions i need to think about this and come up with a little bit more so that they can have more fun playing around with this npc but yeah like if they do want to talk to that little five-year-old playing soccer on the village green it's like my name is sophie and i like dogs like it's completely fine just roll with it It, it's okay to 
not have everything completely planned out. Mm-hmm. I think is what I'm trying to say. I like that. Yeah. I yeah. I, I as a new GM, um, I I was constantly coming to you guys for like permission as like what I, what is good and what's bad and like we you know what what works and what doesn't work and yeah. You did great, Joseph. <laughs> uh, and Nathan, what are your closing thoughts? For closing thought, really, I I just agree with Jocelyn. Uh, you know, you make meticulously craft a dungeon to like the finest detail, having that one skeleton in the corner that's so important to the plot. But mm-hmm. with NPCs, uh, a lot of times they can be really important or they cannot be. So don't be afraid to just make an NPC and if you fall in love with it, keep him around. Maybe have him reoccur in a different campaign. But if he doesn't serve the purpose that you want him to immediately, don't worry. You can always just recycle him. The NPC, uh, the, the characters won't know who, who exactly they interacted with, so they'll just think, oh, it's just another guy, or oh, it's the same guy, maybe he's changed. So don't be afraid to have to move around who you like for certain things, I think is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's that guy's cousin. Mm-hmm. This is a very incestuous village. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like the idea of uh, recycling an NPC into something else, like a different story or a different campaign that's that's pretty clever actually we had made a character we met one in one of my campaigns i played in called haba jang uh he was a hilarious character just for comedic uh, purposes and in our next campaign turns out he is like the most powerful mage and you know in in existence so yes (laughs) so now he's this eternal character in our campaigns that we don't our characters don't know anything about but we just cannot (laughs) wait to meet him again i love it i love it that's awesome y'all just run and be like how about jack exactly really (laughs) so good that is awesome all right so i guess this wraps up the first half and we will uh take a break and come back with uh, chapter two. Chapter mm-hmm. two. Awesome. Let's go, baby. Yes. All right. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, we are now on chapter two of our adventure in uh, Star Wars Edge of the Empire, a role-playing game by Fantasy Flight Games. We're having a great time. It's, it's going to be real cool. Uh, before we jumped in, we wanted to talk about the dice because we realized we were talking a lot about the dice and we didn't talk about them explicitly last time. And the dice pool for this game is very different from uh, D&D. So for D&D, there's like a 20-sided dice, a 12-sided, a 10-sided. So all these different dice that are numerical with differ- differing numbers of sides. But for Fantasy Flight Games... In general, and in our case, Edge of the Empire, they have created their own sets of dice. So the the shapes kind of correspond to like a D6, a D8, a D10, you think, Jeff, for the yellow? Uh, something like that. Like a D10 or 12. I'm sorry, it's escaping me which one it would be. Uh, and so they have different shapes. And then each shape is colored differently. And they fall into two categories. So we have positive dice and negative dice. Uh, We have, on the positive side, we have a boost die, which is a D6 shape, and it's colored light blue. We have the ability dice, which is a D8 shape, and it's a green color. We have the proficiency dice, which is the D, pretty sure it's a D10 shape, and it's colored yellow. And so all of these dice have symbols on them that are positive for the players. 
these symbols include um, successes, advantages, and triumphs. So on the negative side, we have setback dice, uh, which is a black uh, d6 kind of shape. We have the difficulty dice, which is a purple d8, and the challenge dice, which is a red d10. And these dice have uh, failures, uh, complications, it's complications, right? And uh, what, what's the opposite of triumph? It's a... Oh, uh, hold on. Oh, it's, I'm sorry, it's threats. So there's failures, threats, and despair. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. And so the fun thing is that these two sets of dice correspond to each other. So, for example, the boost dice, which is the blue D6 on the positive side, corresponds directly to the setback dice, which is the black D6 on the negative side. Um, and for any given check, we build up a whole dice pool. So the players put in positive dice for their skills, and if they've sort of bartered something from the DM with force points, or and then the GM will put in negative stuff, so like challenges kind of for how hard the task is uh, and for sort of how aware the enemy is, that kind of thing. So we, we put all of these dice together in this big pool and we roll them all at once, and then we essentially count up the symbols. So like despairs will... Uh, cancel out success or not despair I'm sorry despairs will cancel out triumphs uh, successes will cancel out failures things like that so we, we add them all up and whatever's left over that's what we're referring to in the role like when I say I have two successes uh, and an advantage so that that's what we're talking about oh yeah and I think it's also worth mentioning like the, the GM has a GM screen and I think that correct me if I'm wrong here uh, but I believe it has like suggestions for like how successful or, mm -hmm. you know, or what threats you could be facing um, in yep. these roles. It does. And it will tell me, you know, do you want it to make it an average, hard, challenging? And it'll tell me what kind of dice I need to be having you throw in addition to your proficiency dice. Right. Yeah. So. And I think that's really helpful because considering, you know, D&D &D does not provide those sorts of things. Um, mm -hmm. Not as specifically. Yeah. It doesn't give you like a chart, essentially of no. this is what you could be doing. Mm -hmm. Well, it, it just gives you recommended uh, difficulty checks or DC checks as we call them. Right. And then, but uh, here, what's even more fun is on my NPC stat box, going back to what we were talking about, they have their own proficiencies and skills which correlate. So when you're doing an opposed check, you're actually rolling their proficiency dice which just happen to be your opposite dice to mm -hmm. determine whether or not you're successful in charming them or deceiving them so mm -hmm. it's kind of fun uh, players have more control they get to roll more of the npc's checks than the dm does very rarely will i roll in this system yeah, and it helps, too, for narrative purposes. So, like, you can... I think it's hilarious that you can fail triumphantly. So that's always a bit of a head-scratcher <laughs> for the GM, but, you know, just keeps things exciting. I think another thing for the, the dice goblins like me is that it's really nice to be able to roll a lot of dice, like, right mm -hmm. off the bat. Indeed, oh, you got yeah. D20 and maybe, like, a D6. Mm -hmm. Right here, when you start, I'm probably rolling, like, a, at least five or six dice. Even if it's some of the dice are bad for me, it's really cool to... A roll them all because you're like, wow, this feels so cool. Yes. <laughs> Anything else? Or are we ready to throw some dice, as it were? 
Let's go. Ready to rumble. Let's go, right, baby. All right. So a long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. So last we left our crew, they finally came up with a name for their ship, uh, and they're going to make me say it. It's the Puking Comet. Yes. Uh, the, they were hired for a job to steal or, or to pull off a hover train heist. They are stealing Imperial weapons designated for an Imperial outpost, and they were told that they whatever else they can get on their ship is theirs for the taking. But first, they have to locate the train, and that requires them to break into a, a secure facility and acquire the plans. So, uh, yeah, we're going to start on the ship with you guys examining the plans of this facility on the neighboring planet of Telos, T-E-L-O-S. But before we do that, we have to do uh, we have to do destiny and obligations. So real, real quick, uh, Mal, did you take your medication this time? Uh, <laughs> I was actually gonna ask uh, the GM if I could check the glove box for some uh, like Dramamine or something. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, let's uh, let's go ahead and roll destiny and obligation, and then we'll do that. So destiny. Everybody, roll destiny. It's just click the one button in your uh, character sheets on roll twenty for me. And it will update. Uh, oh, okay. Well, it's all Did I do the right on one? Matt. Did mine roll? Yeah, yours rolled. Mouse okay. is the only Ooh. one that didn't roll. Ew. Sorry, I think I rolled the right. Oh, oh. Uh, oh. there it is. Oh, no. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Oh, good. Uh, <laughs> okay, so just for our listeners, the destiny pool is one light side point and two dark side points. Now, those behave Gag. very much like influence in D&D where uh, the players can use that one light side point to uh, upgrade a roll or re-roll if needed, or I can use the two dark side points uh, as I see fit, whether it's uh, maybe introducing an extra combatant, uh, influence rolls on my side, you know. Think of it as the producer who is uh, (laughs) making big changes to the film here. Uh, they're, they're, they're the Michael Bay's of this system. Oh, yes. <laughs> it's the uh-oh dice. Uh-oh it's the uh-oh. <laughs> we got two uh-ohs. Okay. Uh, all right. Now I have to roll on your obligation chart. I have it in front of me. Uh, once again, there's a 65% chance that obligation will hit. I'm going to roll a D100. Uh, oh. You guys avoided it. I rolled too high. Yes. Oh, Nobody's good. obligation is going to come into play. Indeed. I didn't want to be facing a bounty hunter right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Why not? It's all for the fun. Uh, okay. Uh, Mal, let's see if you remember to buy some Dramamine last time. Uh, go ahead and... Uh, what skill is this going to be? I have no earthly idea. Let's uh, just pull up a Make it a street smarts or something. Actually, that's not a bad idea. Do a streetwise check. Hold on, before you do it, let me uh, let me set the difficulty for you. Okay, 
should let me make sure it's out. Go ahead and do a streetwise check for me. I sure hope I remember to buy some Dramamine. And you yeah, are you successful yeah. Huzzah. With, an with an advantage, so that means you bought extra strength. Ooh, okay, so it's gonna <laughs> it might last. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No projectile and vomiting for you today. Alright. Feeling <laughs> good. Feeling good. All Back right. on my ship in the trusty puking comet. <laughs> as, as stated, you are you are going to be going into a, a secure facility. Uh, the Zerker Corporation is known for so a little history on the Zerker Corporation for those who are not uh, super into the Star Wars lore. They started out as a weapons manufacturer and expanded their influence from there. Uh, they kind of went away for a while, but now that the Empire's back, uh, they have started to become a bigger uh, corporation again. Yeah. And uh, they have <laughs> controlling interest in several transport companies now, as well as uh, weapons and other goods. So that's why you're going to their facility, because they probably uh, are in charge of the train that you're involved in. It's a typical secure facility uh they probably do have private contracts but you guys have to figure out how you're going to get in and get the information you actually need hmm. hey so mal you're the intel guy where where do people keep train plans and please tell me it's going to have a really fun lock there are always fun locks that much i can guarantee uh there might be yes. a person you have to scare um and Cody, get on that there may be some uh jumping from train cart to train cart but Ooh. that's just, I don't know. It's Star Wars is basically like sci-fi Wild West. So that's my, that's my <laughs> best guess. Nice. Just to be clear, uh, we're going to start right now you're, on the train? No, you are actually trying to steal the plans for the train right now. Because you need to know where, where it is and what exactly it looks like as well. You okay. don't have any of that... All you know is when the shipment is, but you don't know where or how that train looks. Got it. Okay. So you might actually be looking for a manifest, too, if you can find it. Understood. Mm. That's, so you're actually going to Zerka office, Zerka corporate office, or regional office, wherever. So you might, uh, so if sorry. somebody has computer skills, might be, a, might be of use. Here. Mm. What, what is this planet like? Do we know anything about it? Uh, Telos. Uh, so it has a very old tradition. Um, and actually, you'll probably let's see how much you actually know about that. Uh, this will be knowledge. This will be a knowledge check. It will be. I believe Telos is in the outer rim. So go ahead and give me an, a knowledge outer rim check for me. Canologes. Success with a threat. Mm. Okay. How much of our impending doom do I know about? <laughs> uh, yeah, so the, so the threat, I'm going to have you take one strain. Okay. So you just add that to your... You have a current strain, a place for your current strain at the top of your sheet. Um, your th and note your threshold. But um, So strain... For the once again, just to introduce, is your mental fortitude. You have a physical and mental health in this game. So strain is your me uh, mental. And the reason you have this is because uh, 
you have recently learned that Telos decided to oppose Imperial control. So uh, there is a heavy Imperial presence on the planet right now. Oh, no. To, it is more of being controlled by occupation, and you have that to contend with as well. So the Zerka Corporation, I think you kind of answered this, but so they used to work with the Empire, and now they don't want to? What, what he said was the planet itself opposed the Imperial rule, not Zerka. No, Zerka, Zerka has imperial contracts. Mm-hmm. They they are working with the empire, so Zerka might be the only place that might be allowed a little leniency from the empire. But you know, on the planet itself, there will be a heavy imperial presence. Uh, right. Toady, do you still have your old gear and whatnot? That is a good question. <laughs> uh, I be- believe I would have uh, probably sold that. To you know, just make myself not <laughs> far away from the Imperium as possible. I just do not want to be near there. Mm. Right. So the only thing I kept of that would have been, and I kind of just pull out my blaster and I just start polishing it. <laughs> you always have to have something trusty by your side. If not people, then a blaster. True that. I agree. What do you guys think about? Um, okay, so first of all. I don't know if you noticed, but I'm not a human. And that's, uh, that's not going to play well here in these Imperial parts. What do you think about stealing some Stormtrooper uh, get-up, like, on our way in or whatever? I love it. I love it. Let's do it. I, it can th- I, that'll get can us I willingly take one strain? Mm. Can you willingly take one strain? Because I imagine that uh, Toady would not like the idea of being a stone trippy again. That's the uh, I would probably just have you make a vigilance check to avoid taking the strain. Okay. Uh, if you need me to make that, I will. But Toady just reluctantly just kind of nods his head. No, I mean that's that's just fine. Uh, I I have a feeling that might come up later anyway. So. Okay. <laughs> Joseph, what were you trying to say at the end there? I'm sorry. Oh, I was just saying, I think I was just agreeing with that okay. it was a good idea. And if anybody is going to be able to get us in, it's going to be Toadie. Toadie, Toadie, Toadie. The only problem is they probably have my Imperial designation down. I've got to figure something out for that. That's a good okay. point. Okay. Hmm. So, Toadie, what do you mean? I, I obviously have never been part of the Imperium. Uh, what, what's, what exactly is involved in the designation? Is that like biometric stuff is that like face scans like what's uh, what's going on there correct me if i'm, I'm wrong uh, gm but i'm pretty sure i think the uh designation is just the the core you're in but just... so here's here's how uh and they just covered this and i, I know because i read it i read the review of i've been reading I, I need to go watch bad batch but they actually just covered this and it's called a chain code but it's the little cylinders that you always saw in pockets mm. oh, imperial yes. okay. but it's not just for imperials it's also for citizens all have a unique chain code and it's the only way you can buy and sell throughout the galaxy the imperials nice. put that in place so i don't know maybe you know somebody who's good with computers who might be able to slice that and give you a false id guys guys Having just realized this, although 
Athen probably would have known it beforehand. I'm now very excited. We need to go somewhere rich. We need to do some pickpocketing. Okay, I got I got the need. I got the need to pickpocket. We're gonna need us some chain codes with some money. We're gonna get in there. It's gonna be awesome. Oh, come on, are, are you guys with me? I'm Let's in. do it. I'm in. Yes. Sure, do that. Yeah, Toadie, Toadie, my man. Cause like I, I'm used to Mal being like in it and excited, but Toadie's like I'm, I'm trying to like kind of jolly Toadie up a little bit. It's like, come on, it's gonna be great. We're gonna have a good time. It's gonna be fun. The only problem I could see with that is that I think they read the chain codes and it's whoever like face pops up. So it might not be our faces. And that's where a little uh, modification would have to happen. Toadie, why, why you got to be negative like this? Mal, come on. Mal you're, Mal, you're the intelligence guy. You know stuff. What do you know about face changing? Hold on. Lay it on me. Actually, I'm actually kind of curious because I don't know what he's talking about. When you say face changing, what are we talking about? Just, you'd have to hijack the system of the chain code, essentially. Mm. Okay. Go on. <laughs> and then you'd hack it. And then yes. we'd be okay. I think I think I could do that. Sweet. <laughs> um, there's a will, there's a way. What's uh, what's everybody got in, out of out of game? What's everybody got in computers? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> I've got the uh, yellow uh, yellow die and two green die, which are so it seems like I've got yes. pretty good. Yes, yes you got you one got rank. Great. Nice. Hey Jeff, do we do is assisting a thing in this system? I forget. Um, not really. Uh, mm. advantages and stuff can help with that. You can always pass boost along. I th I would say if you had a rank in it, I would let you assist, and you would uh, give you can pass a boost on. Let me see how this hits you. Okay, so if I use my underworld smarts and combined them with Mal's computer smarts, could we hack some chain codes? Hmm. I mean, you're still gonna make the check. What are you, you're trying to give him a boost? Is that what you're trying to do? I, I'm trying to give us the best possible chance for success. But I mean, yeah, I, I was I was thinking hopefully a boost. Like, I understand if, if you say no, because it's not the same uh, check or whatever. I mean, not check, talent, skill, skill. And can you remind me where, like, are we still on the ship? Yes, you're still on the ship. So yeah. we're just talking amongst ourselves. Cool. Just making sure. Yes, you are. You're talking amongst yourselves in your, you know, it's not a big ship. It's a patrol craft, so you don't have a ton of room. You're probably all sitting in the in the uh, ship in your mm -hmm. seats. But I like this Toadie uh, guy. He comes up with pretty good ideas. Right? Okay. Toadie's pretty cool. I'm, I'm liking Toadie. Mm -hmm. Well, I think we've got a good crew for the plan that we've concocted. High five, Toadie. Okay, so what what what's the plan again? Uh, I would like to get on the whatever the space internet is and just get like the the Google the space Star Wars Google lay of the planet as it were. I want to know uh, one where is uh, Zerka? Where is the Zerka Corporation on the planet? Two, mm -hmm. where is the closest wealthy subdivision? I don't know market area <laughs> mm -hmm. nearest to Zerka. I mean. There's a there's a place for visiting CEOs, those kind of things near the near the corporation. Um, if that's something that you're looking for. Um, what I'm wanting to do is go somewhere sort of crowded, very wealthy, 
where there's a good chance of pickpocketing some chain codes off of people that has some moolah. So it sounds like uh, like a, a, a city, like a metropolitan maybe. Yeah, probably. Yeah, that'd be a good idea. Like a market or like a fancy kind of market-ish area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. These ladies be clutching their pearls. Yeah. <laughs> Them pearls, though. Well, you're probably looking for an area that where visiting dignitaries will be not... You're not going to see that among the local population considering... Uh, they're kind of being oppressed right now. Oh, okay. That, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah. So dignitaries then. Hello. Sorry, that was just like a violent entry by our our pupper. She's just like, bam, <laughs> kick this door in. Like, okay. You know, my second plan was we incite rebellion on the planet, but uh, I think this one's a little bit cleaner. <laughs> so uh, we'll keep it in our back pocket. Jeff, can you tell me a little bit more about the the planet that we're going to? Like, uh, for someone who doesn't know. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, um, you want just kind of like general terrain geography kind of style. And also, like, how uh, how present the Imperials are are there. Uh, well, let's say there's a... So, it, it's got pocket cities. It doesn't have... It does have lots of free-range terrain where... Uh, and I would say that pocket cities are probably heavily garrisoned at this point because mm-hmm. there's a lot of natural resources here. And uh, the local system decided to try and rebel, <laughs> as it were. And this is the height is of the weird. empire. And the empire decided that was not going to happen. So they sent, uh, sent a good little force to kind of lock down the planet. Uh, there are some ruins uh, uh, from the days of old. And once again, they, they kind of turned the planet's economy over to companies that uh, supported Imperial rule. And it, oh, uh, as a smuggler, you'll know it's strategically located on one of the main hyperlanes uh, that crosses both, to both sides of the galaxy. So it's very yeah. important along the trading route. All right. Yeah. So I think the dignitary idea is probably not just what we're looking for, but I think it's the most fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I concur. So guide me real quick on how one of my abilities work. The command ability. Can I use that right now to uh, help out my allies? Yeah, I guess. How are we going to get this ship on this planet? Are we trying to sneak in unnoticed or are we trying to land legit? I could get us in without being seen. Mm. I one hundred percent trust that Mal could do this. I believe it. I hope not that not that I'm ranked or anything. I'm just <laughs> really cocky. Okay. <laughs> well, let me just look up this this ability real quick, and we'll move on to you guys approaching the planet. So, command, uh, you get to add one one boost die per rank of command when making leadership checks. Affected targets add uh, boost. To discipline checks for the next 24 hours. Okay. Sweet. So, you'll have to give an inspiring speech if you want to use it. Heck yeah. Alright, let, let's give this a try. I want to try to use one of these abilities. Okay, who are you Do going it. to try? Are you going to try and motivate the whole crew? Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to try to make uh, motivate the entire crew. Okay, uh, give them a speech. Just of knowing from this planet, I know the dangers that we're getting into. But I know that together we have accomplished so much already. And though the Imperials may 
imprison and burden these citizens on this planet will help be the reason that doesn't happen anymore. I've seen too much tyranny in my time already, and I'm ready for this to end. So let's get this job done so we can help someone else. Uh, Mal looks at Athen, and he's like, who brought this lamb poet? <laughs> Heck yeah, let's, let's go team. Hands in the middle. Ready? And break. I love it. It is so easy to be cheesy. Okay, so I know the name of your ship is the Puking Comet. Is that the name that's being broadcast out to the universe? So if somebody was to scan mm. your ship, is that what they would get back? Absolutely. 100%. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. I just needed to know that. Some All right, people, so... You got Millennium Falcons, and you got the Puking Comet. The Puking, you got the puking Comet. Okay, so let's go ahead and see what happens. Uh, are we ready to make our way to Telos? Yeah. yeah. We're trying to sneaky right. sneak our way down to the surface. Well, as you come out of hyperspace, you do see Imperial <coughs> Presence in orbit. Uh, there is a, a small Victory Class Star Destroyer. And I say small, a Victory Class <laughs> Star Destroyer is uh, 900 meters long. Oh. <laughs> wow. When I say it's 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 a small, it is a small capital ship for them. Small is relative. Small. Small is real. <laughs> it's only 900 meters long. And uh, you're being hailed, Captain. Just uh, I, I put my uh, hand on uh, Mal's shoulder. Just give him a nod. Just. <laughs> <laughs> it would. Hold on. What does it being hailed mean? I'm not a pilot. It means you're 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 being somebody's trying to contact you. Oh, okay, cool. I was gonna say I'm not a pilot. I just play one on on t- on this podcast. Yeah. Um. yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. You okay? So you are being. They are trying to reach out to you, and you're pretty sure it's the Star Destroyer that's in front of you. Got it. Okay. Um. Uh, hello. <laughs> I'm not uh, a very we're good fine, pilot. Thanks. How are you? <laughs> what what uh, did they say? You are met by a brisk imperial voice that says, uh, "Puking Comet, please transmit uh, clearance codes to land." Oh. All right. <laughs> it, uh, and I don't clearly have those, so I'm going to um, I'm going to try and send a random code. <laughs> and, um, uh huh. Well, I thought you said that you could get us in here. Uh, what, what are you doing? Th- this is gonna be. Uh, Nobody asked about a clearance code. Uh, so this is be. Uh, is it a multiple com- choice? Um, <laughs> code because no. i've heard that i think usually they usually pick c for for the answers <laughs> oh my word uh give me uh this is gonna be a computer's check okay would, would Tody know any possible clearing codes clearance codes uh if you want to give me a knowledge warfare sure i'll see if you can uh dig up in your in your memory banks a uh an imperial code you think might work oh Instead, you. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna give you a strain off. Just one strain for those two threats, and you <laughs> are probably crapping your pants right now. <laughs> I forgot about the code. I forgot about the code. I forgot about the code. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Uh, under on my on my character sheet, where where would I look for this? Is it under um, 
core skills. Skills. You're looking under skills. And, and I'm looking under computers. Computers. Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. Just checking. So, okay. Do you want me to roll for that? Are you just randomly punching numbers in and hoping that you get the right one? Uh, I'm using yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like how he's gonna try to dress it up there. Then he's like, hmm. um, Would you like to use your? <laughs> yeah. Well, oh um, you fail advantageously. Yeah, I'm gonna throw it to you. How do you want this advantage to oh go? Oh my god, it works! Uh, oh, yeah. no, the code is wrong. Oh. But how do you want the advantage to play out in your favor so you don't have Tie Fighters coming at you right Got now? Got it. Okay, they recognize the codes that I punch in as not exactly what I want it to be. But instead, it's actually some utility vehicle uh, that's like like the sewage machine, like the sewage <laughs> something, or like this is the yeah, or like the garbage <clears throat> ship. Scow. Oh my gosh! Uh, all right, we're just a bunch um, of mechanics on a ship, and we're yeah, we very are. new to this. <laughs> we don't know exactly how to fly this thing. <laughs> uh, we bought it at a what is it a, a repo sale? <laughs> okay, uh, so here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna need a deception to follow up, but I will let you use those advantages to give yourself a boost. No. So you probably want to roll that boost die. So go ahead. I'm gonna use my uh, destiny point. Go for it. Ooh. Go ahead and use your destiny and just... So how does that work on my character sheet when I'm in roll 20? So it should be a button towards under where it says destiny pool, and you... it should say use light side. Got it. Bam. And then go ahead and roll again deception. And it should be adjusted for please, you. Please, please, please. Come on, come on, come on. I'm one please. with the force, and the force is with me. We can do oh, it. it is. No. Oh. Is that the wow. same thing? That's the same thing. Oh my! Well, it's it's one less advantage actually. It's worse. I got rid of a little worse. Wow! Uh, with that deception roll too, because your deception is actually pretty good. It is pretty good. <laughs> Golly! I have wow. I have, up, I have t- uh, a with rank the, two. With with the upgrade, you it didn't. Uh, I, wow. I thought the up- mm. so as much as you're talking and the code was, we'll say a digit off. They're sending uh, a pair of TIE fighters out to get a closer inspection. And oh, no. you <laughs> all know if you get scanned by those TIE fighters, they're going to find your story to be absolutely false. Okay. Uh-uh. Mal looks at, uh, my, at his compatriots and says, <laughs> we ought to just go for it, guys. We ought to just <laughs> guns blazing. We might as well just go. Hit the gas! Get, we we got to get on that ship if we're going to try and lose these guys. Toady just takes a sigh and just, I'll go man the guns. <laughs> Punch it. I'll go man the guns. So Do you want the top or the bottom, Toady? Bottom. Uh, always go the, for the bottom. This particular ship only has one set. They are forward-facing guns. Boop. Uh, so that's okay. You have a pair. I'll sit in the co-pilot's chair and be ready to like punch <laughs> buttons. Oh, so we're gonna get to do some combat. Hooray! Oh, Hooray! No. <laughs> and it and it's it's starship. I think combat. technically we're trying to like run away from them. Well, we're still gonna have to do the initiative. Okay. Bit. Okay, since you guys are going to initiate, you can roll either cool or vigilance. Now, don't roll yet. Wait till I tell you so I can set the... Because uh, there is no challenge on this one. I just need to know how many successes and how many advantages you get. 
so you guys go ahead. We can roll now? You can roll now, yes. Whoa. Hey! Wow. Okay. I am very cool. So cool. I don't know why I got four. Oh, no, that's why. Because I only rolled the two dice, but the two success face came up on both of them. Yeah, you did really good. Uh, go ahead. Um, the other two? Hey! Nice. So cool is the way to go. Two. Come on, Tony. Cool. Awesome. Cool. Okay. Cool. I got well, two. Well, honestly, uh, vigilance is better for me. <laughs> okay, we'll do vigilance. 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 All right. Oh, heck yes. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. And then I'm going to go ahead and roll for my guys. Now, these are minions, so they only get one slot in the initiative order because they will act at the same time. I think for those listening, uh, Anthon rolled uh, four successes. Mal got Uh, two successes, two advantages. And... uh, Cody got three successes and two advantages. So we're yeah. we're pretty good right now. Yeah, yeah we're looking me, pretty uh, good. There we go. And they got two successes and two advantages for their group. Nice. Okay. So, so that's here's good. So here's how this initiative roll works. Because unlike D&D where everybody rolls D20 and has an initiative score, here we compare successes and advantages. Successes are first, then advantages. So because you guys have somebody who rolled four successes, Me. The, the PCs, player characters, get the first turn in initiative. Awesome. You also had three successes, so you have turn two in the initiative. <clears throat> and I give ties to players, so you'll have the first three turns in the initiative, then yes. my guys will get the, their chance to go. Now, also difference... You guys can pick whatever order you want to go in. You are not locked into a position. You so for turn for the first turn, you could have Mal go first and start maneuvering the ship, uh, and then you know Cody go second, and he can do his thing with the guns, so forth and so on. As opposed to D and D, you're all locked in. But on turn two, you could have Toady go first and shoot, and then Mal pilot second or however you guys want to do it you're not locked in i love it i love that that's that's great and i like it for you guys because you guys do have hopefully you have the rules up there is a whole section on starship combat because it is different la difference i would probably say for your maneuver for your pilot he's going to increase the speed of the ship most likely uh, yeah, yeah, we're going fast. <laughs> I like that one of the maneuvers is actually called punch it. <laughs> punch it is a maneuver? Yeah, so uh, maneuvers we have available to us. We have acceler- accelerate or decelerate. Uh, evasive maneuvers, which is uh, reflecting a pilot's efforts to avoid incoming fire collision or other calamity. Mm-hmm. So... It makes it more difficult for them to fire against our ship. Mm-hmm. Stay on target is like a pilot's concentration and ability to shut out combat-related stresses. Uh, and so this allows all combat checks from the vehicle or vessel executing this maneuver to upgrade. The, so it makes our ship more nimble, essentially. I think that's the one Punch we're going to do. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you're going to take the maneuver, stay on target, and then there are a couple pilot actions... 
Uh, like I said, there's gain the advantage. That will uh, negate if they decide to take evasive maneuvers. Oh, I, I think I might have read this off slightly wrong. If we're trying to be more difficult to hit, that might be evasive, evasive maneuvers. Because this says... Executing evasive maneuvers upgrades the difficulty of the dice pool once for all attacks made against the ship until the end of the pilot's next turn. Okay. While this makes the ship executing the starship maneuver harder to hit, it also makes it harder for the ship executing the starship maneuver to hit anything else. So it's tougher for us to hit anything, but we're also harder to hit. I'm super cool uh, about that. Uh, okay. okay. All right. That's the whole so, point. That is the whole point. All right. Mm-hmm. How are you, you guys... Uh, is is Mal going first? I'm just. Asking. I have I have a, a proposal, y'all. So, what if like because I have I have a rank in planetary piloting, mm. but Mal is actually our best computer guy. Mal, how would you feel about going first to try to like jam their scanners or something mm-hmm. computery, and then I could, as pilot, evasively maneuver. Yeah, absolutely. Because we gotta and be able to Tony get in. Could Are we gonna try to fire on these people? Mm. Could I should I go ahead and be taking some pot shots as well? I think we should. I think we should. They're, they're okay. gonna, once we start going for it, they're going to start shooting for us anyway. Yeah. Mm. Just a little before we go all evasive and stealthy and all that, we're just going to, I'm just going to shoot some shots off and then we'll start doing our tailspins. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay, style. so I can go last then. <laughs> all right. Uh, who's going first? Who's taking the first turn? You guys have the first three. Uh, I think it was going to be Mal to jam stuff, Toady to pot shot, and then me to evasive. All right, and okay. yeah, action, I guess. Uh, <laughs> hey, uh, all right. Evan, switch with me. <laughs> okay, okay, uh, okay. And so, so we like scramble around with the pilot and co-pilot chairs. So you're gonna try and jam their scanners? Yes, right? on uh, the on the ship ship supercomputer, I guess. Go ahead and make your roll. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Oh, oh baby, nice. All right, you have scrambled them, Toady. I'll be taking some pot shots. Uh, okay, so I do not that, have the weapon. Is the only thing. Yeah, it's a gunnery check for you to okay. use the ship's weapons. Three advantages. Three advantages. So you do not hit, but you can pass those advantages on to give a boost. It's two advantages to give a boost to another player. Oh, and he we, could resolve a strain with the other one, right? Yeah, and you could use the the third one to uh, resolve. So I'll go ahead and uh, pass off a, a boost, and then just calm myself that I'm I'm in a familiar environment now. I'm in mm-hmm. my gunner spot. I know what I'm doing. Okay, and um, that's gonna bring up Athens. Okay, uh, I am evasively maneuvering. So let me see. Yeah, so I will. Evasively maneuver and then attempt to gain the advantage. So this is a piloting check. Okay, piloting check. Oh no, stop that, man. Not also successful, but together. Advantages. Did you like to... did Athen take the the boost die? Oh, she did oh, not take the I boost die. Uh, uh, Can I just roll a boost somehow? Um, I got, I got, I got you. Cool. Okay, so we succeed with three advantages. All right. Um, so my guys get to go. I'm gonna actually use a dark side point. Ooh. To upgrade. Uh-oh. Upgrade there. The uh oh dice. That's a lot of threats. <laughs> uh, no, that that's ignore that. I haven't okay. rolled for them yet. I'm about to okay. roll for pilot one, who's gonna take some shots at you. Fail, fail, fail. Uh, he got a threat. Okay. Hey, pilot. he didn't succeed though. Sweet. Nope. 
and pilot two. Oh, he got off. Oh. Uh -oh. oh, wow. Yikes. Um, he has a despair, which is like the most failing. <laughs> yeah, despair, which is an opposite of a triumph or opposite crit, you know? Technically, uh, you you succeeded with a... Threat, dis despair. The threat and a despair, so that pilot's not in a good place. So, here's what's going to happen. He is going to hit, and his weapon uh, does a whopping gonna do seven damage but we take okay. that away from your ship has obviously has shields yeah uh, we just gotta um, look and see armor four so it takes three damage yeah take three damage that's not bad that's we're, we're pretty okay still yeah your your ship is tough uh but his weapons are gonna go out so we got one with hey. no weapons uh so he's gonna have to probably head back to get his weapons fixed that means the guys are down they're down to one. Yeah, bring it. Um, and, and they weren't able to successfully scan us, right? So they don't have, like, our license plate number or whatever. No. Nope. <laughs> I'm going to have your pilot go ahead that and me. make a piloting check. Can you? Okay. Yes! I have triumphed. Oh, All right. All right. nice. So I'm going to use this as an opportunity to let you escape Ooh. but the pilot gets to make the decision on how what maneuver she pulled off to make this escape oh yeah oh yeah, yeah. It, it was it was hella fancy so like she knows that mal is normally the pilot and also that he just came off a puking binge she kind of wants to see how good that drama means doing so she oh. does something really like 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 she's doing the <laughs> you know how when you're trying to run away from somebody on land you run in an s shape or whatever right. <laughs> so she's doing like the the space version of that she threw in a couple barrel rolls she's just trying to keep it spicy <laughs> oh so good oh, no. so good so let's um does Mal just, puke? If you yeah, ruin Mal, my ship. Mal, make a be a resilience check to keep your uh keep your stuff on the inside. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> let's do it. Athen, what is your piloting skill? What what's your dice pool for that? Uh yellow and two green. Alright, you ready for me? Okay. Uh yes. I just it's gonna be a po you're gonna be a your resilience is opposed to her piloting. Oh, so okay. Do, so do I roll my piloting then? No, no. I okay. put it into the I put it into the dice pool. So uh, you don't actually vomit. It's more of a dry heave. Ugh. Oh, yeah, that's okay. worse. I have uh, according to this, um, I've got what like three threats here. So I'm like dry heaving like over and over and over again. And I can't stop dry heaving, and I'm on this I'm on the supercomputer, and I'm trying to and I'm like googling how do I stop dry heaving. <laughs> oh no. And, and as that as that as that happening, <laughs> our ship is descending into the clouds, hidden from our our imperial friends, finding a safe place to land. The sound of dry heaving echoing through the the nothing <laughs> the <of> space. <laughs> as, as the credits begin to roll. <laughs> I'm sorry. I think dry heaving is worse than throwing up. I think this is just oh, it's it's the worst. badly. <laughs> it's the worst. Oh. oh, and, oh. <laughs> also the cry of gentlemen I give you the puking comet like she's yelling this victoriously she throws it another barrel roll and Mal's still over there like oh. and Nathan in real life is over here trying to not actually dry yeah, how, how is Tony just like 
it, Tony's probably used the sum of this, but I mean, this is a this is a complex maneuver right here. The, the, You're yeah, a this, higher this, gun. This. Like this is like nothing for you. Surely they put you in one of those like blender things that they put astronauts in, right? They like spin you around real fast so that you puke and then get used to it. Oh my gosh, you guys are great. Uh, all right, uh, that that that's where we're gonna stop. <laughs> And we will, and next time, maybe you'll actually make it to the Zerka office. <laughs> and, and, and Nathan, I have to say, uh, th- that was a non-imperial maneuver, so I'm, I'm pretty sure I wasn't trained on that. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Athan made everybody puke, or at least dry heave. <laughs> uh, that's amazing. Very nice, guys. Um, yeah, so that's 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 chapter two. <laughs> that was interesting. Awesome. That was a, a real learning curve with like the, the yeah the uh, yeah, ship I, and the mechanics. I I was gonna say I was I was hoping your first combat would be on the ground because starship combat is just this whole yeah. different component. It's kind of crazy, and it gets really really. Fortunately, you guys are on a ship where there's not a lot of move. You don't have to move around too much. All the seats are together. Yeah, like on a Millennium Falcon per se. Tony would have actually had to get up and actually get to the gunnery to the to the turret first because the turrets aren't right there. You know, mm-hmm. you're in a fire spray, which is the same ship that Boba Fett uses. All his controls are right there in the cockpit. Right. You don't have to go anywhere to do all that extra stuff. So that's you do, true. Yeah. On Voice. other other ships with different layouts, you might actually have to spend your Tony might have had to spend his first turn getting to the turret before he could take his shots and i like the uh unpredictability of this game where like you know i i got um that last roll a success in three threats so it's kind of mm-hmm. like i know i made mm-hmm. the check but what you else see, happened the, the, yeah. The, yeah there's always the fun of or where you had the tie pilot who did hit you but he had a catastrophic system failure at the same time exactly so he took him out of the fight even though he was the one that was successful in actually hitting you guys like I rolled a success, a threat, and a despair, which is the worst thing you could roll. <laughs> right. Like, okay, so I have to work this in. How did that work? Oh yeah, his weapons failed. Uh, I guess it, you could say the the force was with us. Yeah, you yeah, could say the force was with us, even though I used dark side points on those to, to get <laughs> to upgrade their check. But that's okay. Uh, at the same time, it that's what I like about the system is I can yeah. I can miserably succeed. Mm-hmm. Or you can triumph. You can succeed at cost, and you know, su- succeeding at cost means, yeah, you 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 successfully did not blow chunks, but you're dry <laughs> dry heaving it chunks. in your crewmates' ears all the way down to the ground. So they may blow chunks because <laughs> they're dry heaving. Exactly. <laughs> and so, that that totally makes uh, Edge of the Galaxy such a really cool system. I mean, is that you can do that, and it's just mm-hmm. has these little effects on the world. It's, mm-hmm. it's well, and that's why when I described it, when I pitched it to Joseph, I said it's a narrative-based system. It's all about the storytelling and letting you have these cool little moments. Mm-hmm. You're not just comparing numbers on a sheet and going, "Oh, well, I got enough numbers. I did the thing." No, it's okay. I got the. I did the thing. But, <laughs> right, or, or like that, I'm punching random numbers. Okay, well, you didn't get the right code, but you got a code that they yeah. recognized. It did some garbage scout. Uh, unfortunately, when you tried to tell them who you actually were, you failed. They didn't buy a word of it, so they're sending somebody out to get to get a closer look. 
that's amazing. and that's when that's when things go sideways and i'm like oh i love this system it can throw all your plans out the window real quick mm-hmm. <laughs> just heck yeah so i'm glad you guys are enjoying it and yeah thank the you shena- for yes, thank you thank yes you. the shenanigans awesome. and i think with that uh we're ready to wrap <laughs> oh gosh why'd you have to do that Huzzah Games is brought to you by Bookshop Media, a media company for extraordinary people like yourselves. Support us on Patreon and or let us organize your adventure party. Yes, come play games with us at patreon.com slash huzzahgames. Huzzah! Huzzah! And may the force be with you.